Let us try again. <laughs> What was that? Yes. Oh, oh. Very, very true. Okay. So we're going to hold questions the last 10 minutes. Um, points of clarification, uh, of course, we'll stop in the middle for because we can't go on. So points of clarification are fine. Um, any question off topic or point should be held for the last 10 minutes, and we'll see if we get a, a better flow that way. So page 980, Parshas Vahaya Ekev Tishma'un. And it will be... This shall be the reward here. We'll, we'll, we'll read the, uh, we'll read the puzzle in Hebrew, then we'll read the translation, and we'll take it apart because obviously it's a lie. Yes. Can you use the puzzle? Ah, um, I could try. We, we gotta get you a stoner. We just gotta get you a stoner. Okay, it's Perik Zion plus the Kyrvays, which is the beginning of, yeah, Safari is good, but you gotta get a stoner. Okay, so, Vahaya Ekev Tishmu'un Esa Mishpotim Ha'ele. And it will be, Oh, I'm sorry. I said I would read the Hebrew first. They choose the following translation. This shall be the reward when you hearken to these ordinances and you observe and perform them. Hashem, your God, will safeguard for you the covenant and the kindness that he swore to your fathers. And obviously they had to put a semicolon in there because you can't do that in one sentence in English. Which, of course, should give you pause because the Torah did it in one sentence. So maybe you're wrong already, but okay. Um, this shall be the reward when? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Which word means reward? Which word in the Pasuk means reward? I'll give you a hint. None of the words in the Pasuk mean reward at all. That's made up. I have no idea. That, by the way, as, as we've said so many times, the stone is like 99% amazing and 1% misleading. This is egregious. I don't like, this is not what they do. They're so much better than that. Um, what they should have said is, this shall be when, as opposed to saying, this shall be the reward when. The Hayat Ekev Tishmu'un will be, means, the Hayat will be Ekev, the Targum says, Cholaf, which means because of. Because of. If. If, then. It will be, if you listen to the mitzvahs and keep them, then Hashem will keep for you the bris and the chesed that he promised to your parents. The consequence, yeah. That's one sentence. You don't require any semicolons. You barely need a comma. You could use a comma if you want. Uh, it will be if you keep the commandments that Hashem will keep his thing for you. That's it. That's what it's saying. Wonderful. Now, of course, the problem is, um, Akev, that's a strange word to use. Very, very strange words. Of course, you, you're all aware the word means heal. Um, and it also means because. It means because. So here, vihei, and it will be, if you look at Unclus, vihei, it will be cholaf. Cholaf means to switch. Cholaf means to switch. So what is a switch? A switch is an if-then. It's a consequence of. So cholaf this, this, because you did this, therefore this. So we hey cholaf, and it will be if you accept these laws, and you guard the tab dunyason, and you do them, God will guard for you, the, the covenant, the yashista, and the kindness, the kind lavasa that he, that he upheld for your fathers. That's it. That's what it means. Um, what, there's a better way to say that. I said, well, there obviously isn't a better way to say that. I would have said it if there was a better way to say it. There's an easier way to say that. And there's a more intuitive way to say that. And that would have been, And it will be if you listen to these commandments. That's what it should have said. In fact, it says it all the time. It says it in Tzvish Parsha. We say this every day. Every single day we say this. Wait a minute. Im Shamoa. Im Shamoa. It's the second part of Shema. Im Shamoa. Im. Not Akev. Im Shamoa. 
So why shouldn't this just be v'haya im tishmeun? So Rashi explains over here. If you look at the first Rashi, you'd be v'haya ekiv tishmeun. It will be if you listen. Says Rashi im amitzvos kalos. If the easy mitzvah, the light mitzvahs, the not the inconsequential mitzvahs, sheadam dosh ba'akevav tishmeun, that a person steps on with his heel and tramples, you shall listen. Dot dot dot. Meaning, says Rashi, if you listen to the mitzvahs that people trample on with their feet. Then Hashem will guard for you the bris and the chesed asher nishpalavosecha, and He will love you. And you know, ba 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 ba. It goes into all sorts of good things. Um, so Rashi is explaining Rashi's un, unspoken question because that's always Rashi. Rashi bavorns, which means to anticipate a question. Rashi's unspoken question is why did you use the term ekev when you should have used the term im? Answers Rashi because ekev has a double meaning. It means not only im, but it, but it also means heel. So it must be that we're talking about the mitzvahs that people trample with their heel. So if you listen to those, then you'll get all the good stuff. Hmm. This is a problem. This is a very hard Rashi to understand. Are you telling me that if you only, if you merely listen to the commandments that people trample on and not the ones that they don't? Well, obviously not. Right, so whatever the mitzvah that people trample on, we'll call it, I don't know, mezuzah. I mean, I don't think mezuzah is actually a mitzvah that people trample on, but we'll, we'll, we'll just say it, okay? Mezuzah. People trample on mezuzah. You're the only guy in town with a mezuzah. Okay, right, so you don't have to keep Shabbos because you have a mezuzah? That's a big one? As long as you do the ones that are the ones that are trampled? Obviously not. So Rashi must be saying that if you even do the mitzvahs that people trample on, if you even do the mitzvahs that people trample on, then blah, 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 blah. Okay, so now what you're saying is it will be if you do all the mitzvahs. Good. Now let's remove the term akev for a minute and go back to if, and it will be if you do the mitzvahs. Still doesn't answer the question. You still don't need the term akev. God never said some mitzvahs. These, which ones? All of them. All of them. So the the idea that you have to do all of them is already in the Pasuk if you would have used the term if instead of akev. So Rashi doesn't help you by saying Akev. Yes. So Akev, since since it means both if and heal, since it means because of and heal, there's a dual meaning. So it must be when it says that can't be good. I'm gonna ignore it though. Oh, it's an amber alert. I wonder if that ever helps anyone. I hope it does, because if it does, it's a great tool. And if it doesn't, it's crazy. So hopefully it will, and the 10-year-old will be found. Now, um, okay. So Rashi doesn't seem to be helping us very much. Why are you using the term Akev? Uh, of course, this doesn't really explain the word at all. Because why would you have, why would the word Akev mean both heal and because of? Right, where Rashi doesn't explain which mitzvahs you're trampling on. Rashi's just saying, if you do the mitzvahs that people trample on, I mean, let's say you live in, here, we trample on Lashon Hara, right? Lashon Hara is not a real mitzvah. It's not, a, it's not my minhag. My minhag is to tell, tell Lashon Hara. So we trample on Lashon Hara. It's no big deal. So Rashi's saying, if you do even the mitzvahs that people, don't, that people trample on, don't take seriously. Walk all over. These old boots will walk all over you. That kind of thing. Oh, that was, oh I'm so sorry. Yeah, to trample on, I mean, to, to walk all over, like, quite literally. So, so again, we have the first question, which is the question in the Pasuk. We have the second question, which is we don't understand how Rashi is really addressing the first question in the Pasuk. And now we have a general question on the word itself. Why would the word heal also double as a meaning for because of? That's strange. And as we talk about all the time, Torah is the study of words. 
Why does the word Akev lend itself to that definition? Okay. So what will be? Well, by God will love you and he'll bless you and he'll make you great and no one will, will miscarry and you'll be blessed from all of the, all of the nations and God will take away any, any sickness and all the bad things that you saw in Egypt. He won't put on you and he'll put on everybody else and you will consume all the things that, all the nations that are around you. And if you say, Oh no, how will I beat these big, huge people? Don't worry. God will get rid of them. He'll destroy them. You've seen after all that Hashem has done this. In, in Egypt and yada, 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 and nobody will be able to stand before you. Okay, good, good. That's a good Moser Shmuz. What does it give us that we didn't know before? I don't know. I don't know. It seems that Moshe has already said this several times. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm just wondering something. We'll see if we have time for that. Okay. On page 984, we'll, maybe we'll come back to this. Perak test, Pasuk Aleph, page 984. Listen, Israel. Today you are crossing the Jordan River to go and take down all these big people that are bigger than you and these, and these cities that are stronger than you. And you will know today that Hashem, your God, goes before you. He is a devouring fire. He will destroy them and he will put them down before you. And you will, anywhere you go, anywhere you trample, Will be uh will be yours. Do not say pasuk dalit al tomar bilvavcha. Do not say in your heart. Do not say in your heart as God pushes them out from before you. In my sitkus, in my my piousness, my piety, my righteousness, I'm such a great guy. You know why God is taking me to the land of Israel? Because I'm a tzaddik. And in the evilness of the nations that are currently there, God is throwing them out. So it says, Moshe, don't say, don't say that the reason that God is kicking out all these big people is because you're really good and they're really bad. No, no. You're not coming with your tzidkas and your, and your straightness of heart. Because they're evil, God is throwing them out. And because God promised this land to your fathers, and you'll know that it's not in your righteousness. You're awful. I've remembered since the day I met you, you were terrible, and you messed up our Sinai, and he starts talking about the, the, the destruction of the Luchos and the Egel Azahav, and God almost killed Aaron even, he was so bad, and then God told me I should write another two Luchos, and I went up and I made those two Luchos. The heck are you talking about? I know all this, goodness gracious. I read Parshish Yisro, I read Parshish Kisisa, we had it again in Chukas. How many times are you going to tell me the same bloody thing? How many times are you going to say to me, don't worry about those really, really big giant people in the massive cities? You want to tell me just one more time? How many times? What is that saying thing? Don't think you're so good. Okay, fine. I don't think I'm that good. Okay. Not that good. No. Okay. And now, Israel. Page 990. And now, and now Israel. What is Hashem your God asking of you? Only to... 
Fear Hashem your God, to go in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve him, with all your heart and all your soul, to listen to the commandments of God and his laws, that I command you today, for your good, for your own good. God has all this stuff, God has, has everything, the whole heavens and the earth, what's he already asking for you? What's he already asking from you? A little Yerash Shemayim? I want to tell you what the Gemara asks on this, on this pasuk. The Gemara says, Gemara says, Moshe says, What is Hashem already asking from you? A little Yerash Shemayim, just to fear him. The Gemara in Brachas asks the following question. It says, Are you saying, does Moshe think that fear of heaven is a small thing? Does he think it's like a little thing? Because he says, What's he already asking for you? That means that he doesn't think it's a big deal. So fretting Gemara, what, what do you mean it's not a big deal? Is it Yerushalayim is a little thing? You think Yerushalayim is so easy? And the Gemara answers in, yeah, yeah. Hetzel Moshe. He also such a sahih. By Moshe, it's a little thing. Says the Gemara, I'll give you a parable. What's the parable? A person wants to borrow a coat. If you go over to a person to borrow a coat, and he has a coat, then even if you ask to order, if you ask to borrow a big coat, then it's like a small coat. Because he already has it. And if you go over to somebody who doesn't have a coat and you ask him to borrow a small coat, to him, even a small coat is like a big coat because he doesn't have a coat. What a profound statement. Thank you so much, Gemara, for elucidating me. Thank you so much. I'm going to repeat this because it makes no sense. Like it has to be repeated to, to understand the, the incredulity of it. The Torah says that Moshe says to the people, what's Hashem already asking from you? Just a little Yerushalayim. Gemara says, what do you mean? Is Yerushalayim such a small thing? Seems like a big thing. What do you mean, what's he already asking for? Answers the Gemara, yeah, to Moshe it's a small thing. To Moshe it's a small thing. Okay, I presume because he's so big. Says the Gemara, I'll give you a great mashal, because you couldn't understand this concept without a parable. If you go to a guy that has a coat, then even borrowing a small coat, a big coat to him is like a small coat because he has it. But if you go to borrow a coat from a person who doesn't have a coat, then even asking for a small coat to him is a big coat. I have a lot of problems with this Gemara. Let's start with the end. I know it's the last, but start with the end. Problem number one. What's the parable adding that you didn't know? I got the point. To Moshe, it's small. It's like, here, throw a ball 50 yards. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? You think it's easy to throw a football 50 yards? Yeah, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you can throw it 80 yards. Who cares? Aaron Rodgers can launch a ball 80 yards. But I'm not Aaron Rodgers, and he's talking to me. So what do you mean? Like, Moshe says to all the Jewish people, right? Moshe goes to all the Jewish people. What's the Shemari asking you? A little Yerushalayim. And the Gemara's like, like, but Yerushalayim's not a small thing. Yeah, yeah, to Moshe it's a small thing. Oh, so you mean Moshe has no bloody clue who he's talking to? You're telling me that Moshe is such a moron and such a pathetic leader that when he talks to two million people, he doesn't realize that he's asking him to throw a ball 80 yards. Wow, this guy's clueless. Moshe's clueless. Some kind of fool. He thinks that because to him, Yerushimayim is a little thing, and to all of them also it must be a little thing. Really? Moshe's a fool? That's what it sounds like. Yeah, to him it's a little thing. It's a big problem. And the second problem is, well... Presumably, to him it's little because he's greater than you. What are you adding? <laughs> are you adding with the parable of coat? I got the point. I don't need your parable of coat. It's a stupid parable. Those are some problems with the way the Gemara understands this pasuk. There's another problem with the way the Gemara understands this pasuk, and I mean a really, really big one. 
Gemara asks, is Yerushalayim a small thing? You almost make it sound like that's the only thing he said you had to do. Let's read the sentence again, shall we? V'ato Yisrael, and now Israel. What is Hashem your God asking of you? Only to fear Hashem your God. That's not the end of the sentence. Let me continue. To go in all his ways. And to love him. And to serve Hashem your God. With all your heart and all your soul. You know, what's the big deal? To guard his mitzvahs and his hukim that I, I command you today for your own good. The Gemara says, What about the other things? Why is the Gemara only asking about Yerushalayim? It's like they just like, somebody clicked the lead after that. So that's the only thing they saw in the Pasuk? Moshe doesn't ask for one thing. He asks for ten. Crazy. <laughs> Ay, ay, it's crazy. Let's go a little further. Uh, we could do this all day with this parsha. Um, if you go to Pasuk Yud Zion, just a few sukkim back, a few sukkim down from there, Ki Eloheichem, because Hashem your God, Hu Eloheicha Elohim Vadoneicha Adonim, He is the God of God and the Lord of Lords, Ha'el HaGadol HaGibor Vanora, the great, the mighty, the awesome, Asher Lo Yisaf Hanim Velo Yikach Shochad, who does not play favorites and doesn't take bribes. Really? Who you fooling? Another Gemara in Brachos asked this question. It's a different Gemara. Same tractate, different page. Gemara says, So you're saying that God is not no seipanim. No seipanim means to favor. Have you ever heard Berchas Kohanim? What do you mean? It says in the Pesach that you should say God should specifically favor you. So what do you mean God doesn't play favorites? He clearly does with the same words. Lo yisap on him. Make up your mind. So Gmar says, no, 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 no. It's a good question. It's a contradiction. It's a very good question. So Gmar says, no, you know what it is? God says, I'm not no say on him. I don't play favorites. But what can I do? What can I do? Because I command the Jewish people, that you will eat and you will become satiated and you will bless Hashem. And they are, they are particular on themselves, even if they eat the volume of an olive or an egg, they still bench. So if you sit down and somebody gives you a piece of his pizza here, I remember you, you brought up being in Matthew's class. I remember Matthew used to get grillers with cheese. That was the best. And I used to marvel, I used to marvel at it. Uh, because here, here, here was Matthew Theretzky. Um, he would sit there with the grill and cheese. When you take it out of the tinfoil, Right? The smell, it washed. This is the original grillers. They don't make them anymore. They've gone to hell in a handbasket, but they used to be the most great thing in the world. And everybody, of course, smells it. And from all the rooms, they just start gathering, right? And he would give everybody a piece of his griller and then have like this much for himself. And then he would take it. So I would never ask him for it. Cause I'm like, what kind of a schmuck? <laughs> Are you taking away his food? Like, it's unbelievable. He would I'm sure always do that. And so you're telling me that if you have this much in your griller sandwich, you still bench, but you're not full. And it says in the Pesach, you will eat and you will become satiated and you will bless. And the Jews, you know, they bless even if they're not satiated. They bless even if they only eat, you know, a little tiny bit. And therefore, and therefore, I'll be, I'll be no safe on him. I'll therefore favor them. I'm sorry, how does that answer the question? How does that answer the question? It says in this, in this Pesach right here, it says Hashem does not show favorites. Or take bribes. And when you ask Hashem that question, 
Shem's answer is, yeah, but what can I do? I commanded them only to bench when they're satisfied, and they bench when they eat a tiny little bit. So how can I not favor them? That's what favoritism is. What do you mean? That's exactly what no say pundit means. You're no say pundit for a reason. I like him better. He's my nephew. <laughs> of course I'm going to pick him before your kid. He's my nephew. Your kid's not my nephew. I like him more. That's it. Or he's got a better jump shot. I'm not going to pick him first. I love you. You're my best friend. But he can't hit a three. So what do you mean you're not showing favoritism? You are. I was to say, yeah, I show favoritism. But like, you know, what can I do? They're also like bribing me with their benching on the little grimmer. <laughs> I was going to ask before, I was going to ask the following question, and I think this this should be the question of this week's Parsha. What is the Parsha about? Like, seriously, what is the Parsha about? Like, well, you know, um, it's about, uh, it's it's called Akev, you know, so, so Akev means if you do the mitzvahs, then he gives you good stuff. Like, that's cool. You know, you didn't know that yet. You know the Pasuk of Yachalta V'savata V'rachta Sashem L'Kef Al-Aretz HaTov HaShem Do you know where that Pasuk is? It's right here. Another one? That Pasuk's right here. Probably not a coincidence. The fact that that Gemara, the fact that the same Gemara brings all of these issues, and the fact that all of those issues are in one Parsha, that's a good key for you. Key. Yavish. Means you're looking in the right place. So let's start talking about Akif. Go all the way back to the beginning. Because obviously the key's got to be in the beginning. And then it assumes you already know that. And once you have it, you can go through. What is this Akif business? In order to understand this properly, it is my contention that we need to learn a tiny little bit about the way that people used to walk. I say used to walk because we don't walk this way anymore. But up until about the 1600s, up until about the 1600s, maybe the 1500s, I'd be off on this, people walked differently. How did they walk? They walked first with their toes and then on their heel, which is the opposite of what you do. You step on your heel and then lower your foot. Um, people who aren't here don't get the visual, but I don't think they require it because they walk, so they can understand what it is. You walk on your heel. You place your heel, and then you place your foot. Mm-mm-mm. No, not everyone, but most people. Now, the reason that this is new is because you couldn't do this in the olden days. You know why you couldn't do it? Because they didn't have heel technology in their shoe. Their shoe was a glorified leather sock, which means you don't have the nerves. You can't feel around with your heel. Your heel is armored. It's hard. The front of your foot with the toes, that feels. So you step on that. And if it's safe, you place down the weight on the heel. That's how you walk. That's how people are designed to walk. In fact, if you do that, you'll have better posture. But I digress. Do you know why the West Africans are faster than everybody else in the Olympics? You notice that? How come people from the same region keep winning the races? The answer is simple. Because they run properly. You know how they run? Not on their heels. You know why? They probably don't have shoes. They're faster than everybody else. They walk and run the way that everybody else used to walk and run. Good. Now, why does this help us? Because it helps us understand what we mean when we say Akev. The word, the ikvot, 
on the heels of. It even survives in the English. Oh, he came on the heels of the typhoon. We mean caused by. When something comes on the heels of something else, it means that it was caused by the previous thing. That's what the Hebrew is. It's ekev this, that. On the heels of this, that comes. Ekev literally means the effect. The effect. Why is it called the effect? Because if you step on the front of your foot, and then you commit and lower the heel, then that means that the heel is representing the decision that you made with the front of your foot. You put your foot down, you made a decision, and you stepped. And that means if there was a tack where your heel was, that is now in your foot. If there was a tack where the front of your foot was, you wouldn't have stepped down on it because you would have felt it with the feet. That's the idea. So Akev is your heel, and the reason that it means a um, consequence of action is because the heel is quite literally the physical consequence of your decision, of your action, in every step that you take. That's what Akev means. That's why, the same, that's why it's the same word as Im. However, it's a little bit different than Im, because Im, if, an if and a then relationship does not necessarily mean that one is a consequence of the other. It just means that we have a deal. For example, if I say, if you give me $5, I will give you this can of soda. That doesn't mean that if you gave me $5, the natural consequence is that this soda flies to you. That's just a deal. Deal goes around the word if. This is akev. If you stick your finger in an electric socket, akev your finger being stuck in the socket, you will get shocked. It's not, if you do it, then I'll shock you. It's the ikvot, your action. It is the natural consequence of your action. That's what ikv means. Meaning, when Hashem says, it will be as a natural consequence if you listen. What is he saying? And I'm getting the goosies. Here's what Hashem is saying. Do not think, do not, that if you do good things, I will reward you by giving you 72 virgins when you die. If you do good, I don't mean do well, I mean do good. If you do good, then when you die, St. Peter will give you a beautiful seat in Jesus' court. I'm not mocking the other faiths. I mean, I am mocking the other faiths, but I'm saying I'm not mocking them because they're the other faiths. I'm saying this is not that. This is very different than that. This is saying that the world works in a certain way. It's very much here. What it is saying is, listen, buddy. You have options in this world. The world has its own rules. One such rule, stick your hand in a fire, it burns you. You can choose to stick your hand in a fire, but the fire won't change its properties for you. Fire will do what the fire does, because fire is what fire is. Akev. That's Akev. God created the world in a certain way. And if you do this, this is what happens. Now, check this out, because this is cool. So, I keep saying to people that Torah is not about religion. Torah is about physics. If you take if you take your glasses and you drop them, they fall. That's the law of gravity. Despite, it doesn't matter how much you hate gravity or how much you love your glasses or how much you don't want it to happen or will it to happen or use the force. It doesn't matter. The glasses are going to fall. It's gravity. That's physics. But you don't think. See, you think physics has nothing to do with society. You think that physics only has to do with the natural properties of the world, whether it's geology or whether it's biology or whether it's geometry. That's what you think. The physical world is limited to. But that has nothing to do with societal things. Humans can just choose to do whatever they want willy-nilly and everything will be fine. That's where you're wrong. That's where you're wrong. Just like there is a physics, a natural cause and effect to energy and matter in the universe, so too there is a natural cause and effect towards your actions. Your actions breed consequences. 
when, always, always. But here's the cool thing. Humans are generally oblivious to said consequences. How did all these mass shootings happen? Well, you don't notice them until they're there, right? When did the mass shootings get planted? A long time ago, before they started. They didn't just chaotically manifest. You planted mass shooting seeds in the ground and they grew mass shooting flowers. So now that you have mass shootings in your society, you say, oh my God, why is this happening? We should look into SSRI medications. We should look into gun control. We should look into no carry zones. We should look into guardians. We should look into da 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 Fool. You're fool. You're reacting. Mass shooting is not the problem. Mass shooting is an ACAV. ACAV. You did things. You put your foot down somewhere. And then when the heel came down, you got mass shootings. ACAV. You think that there's no connection between the actions that you take in your home and on your block and in your city and in your society and mass shootings and crime and poverty? Every single problem that you have in your society, you caused. No, no, but there's natural stuff. We talk about that. Well, can you say I wasn't a nice guy, so that guy fell off a cliff? Yep. Yes and no. Yes and no. It's not you weren't a nice guy, so he fell off a cliff. That, that's not how it works. You're dealing with, you're dealing with a, an organic, living, invisible hand, just like the economy, right? They talk about the invisible hand of the economy. Because it's everybody, you can't measure it. You can only measure it after the fact, post facto. Because since everybody is putting in whatever they're putting in, whatever input that is, and that input cannot be anticipated or processed, all that we can do is process the outcome. So because people did X, stock market went this way, stock market went that way. The same thing functions on a societal level, on your marriages, right? You're telling me that the, that the divorce rate has nothing to do with whether or not your society is promiscuous? You're telling me that the murder rate has nothing to do with how, with how you respect life? Really? You're telling me that crime has nothing to do with, with family dynamic? You're telling me that poverty has nothing? Really? Really? You would have to be, there's only, you know, there's only one other way. There's only one other way. The only other way to explain all these things is through victimhood. That's the other way to explain it. Victimhood. There's poverty because you have money and there's mass shootings because you're not good. You have to switch to victimhood because otherwise you have to say one second. Akev. Akev. What did we do? Akev. That's why it says Akev. Now, hmm. pardon me, I'm just checking. I'm checking how much time that I have because I want to be. The word Akev, the first time that it is used in the Torah, meaning consequence, as it is in our Parsha, is by Avraham. And Hashem says to Yitzhak, all the way back in Sefer Barishas, Hashem comes to Yitzhak, and Hashem says, I bless you, and I give you the land. Why? Akev Asher Shama Avraham Bekoli. Akev. That's the first time the word Akiv is used to mean consequence. 
Do you think perhaps it is a coincidence? The first time the term Akev is used as a consequence is regarding your father's and blessing in the land? What's this Parsha about? Your father's and blessing in the land. So the only biblically mandated blessing in the Torah is benching. Where does it come up? Here. In what context? The land. You don't bless God for the food. The achalta, you will eat. The savata, and you'll become satiated. Uverachta es Adonai Elohecha, and you will bless Hashem your God. Al ha'aretz hatova asher nasan lach. For the good land he gave you. Not for the good shawarma. When you eat, you thank him for the land. That puzzle coming up in this parsha? Probably not a coincidence. What does Moshe say to the Jews? Don't say that you're tzaddikim. It's not Rather, what is it? It's your fathers. Hashem promised the land to your fathers. When? A thousand years ago, when Hashem said, Ekev Asher Shem the Koli. So when Parsha's Ekev, Moshe says to the Jewish people, Do you know why you're getting the land? You're a consequence. He put the foot down. You are in the wake of him. That's why you're getting the land. Because you are hitched to his wagon. And his wagon has been flying for a thousand years. And now you're entering the land. Don't think it's because of something that you did. This is what we call destiny. It's not about you. Now, that means... Yeah, well... So let's look at it like this. A dolphin is a dolphin and a tree is a tree and a moon is a moon and a Jew is a Jew. Meaning you are a certain type of creation. And just like, and just like if, I don't know, any kind of animal, a fox, impales itself on a stick, it will die. It will cease to be a fox, it will die. There are consequences to the actions that every beast in this world makes. Be they good and be they the opposite of good. Since you are a result of Abraham, and Yitzhak and Yaakov, since you are, that is what you are. It's not because of something that you did. You did not earn it. They earned it. You are a function of them. You are a result of what they earned. Since you are a result of what they earned, you are going in. If you impale yourself on a stick, you'll still die. The rules don't stop. The fire doesn't stop being a fire. That's why. Well, let's get even more primal. It's not the first time in the Torah that the word Akiv is used. It's the first time in the Torah by, by Yitzhak and referring to Abraham that the word Akiv is used in this meaning. But there is, of course, a more basic meaning, as we've already mentioned. The most basic morning, meaning of the word Akiv is heal. Where is the first time that the word heal comes up in the Torah? In the garden. In the garden. God tells the woman, you and the snake, you and the snake are going to have problems. 
and your children and his children. You will stamp on his head the who tishufenu a cave, and he will bite your heel. Do snakes only bite heels? I don't think so. Oh, I don't think so. Snakes don't kill you with their teeth. They kill you. Their teeth are just a venom delivery system. They kill you with the venom. It doesn't matter where they bite you. So you say, oh, yeah, well, you know, people generally get bitten because snakes are on the ground. That belies a very, very <laughs> big ignorance of history. There's a lot of snakes in the trees. <laughs> there's a lot of snakes in the trees, bro. Yeah, there's some, there's some really cool evolutionary talks that you can listen to about that in terms of the way the human eyes develop in order to see snakes and, and whatever. That's a different talk for a different day. So why does the Torah say that the snake will bite you in the heel? Because that's where the snake bites you, right? The snake is not the snake. The snake is the eight Sahara. And you know where the eight Sahara gets you? In the heel. Meaning what? Meaning the thing you didn't notice. That's where it gets you. It gets you on the thing you didn't defend. Your heel. Meaning you make actions. You do actions. You think they're good at the time. And then you get whacked. What now? Must be that you're getting whacked because of something you did or didn't do. Do you know what the biggest gift that we get is? The biggest gift. The up and the down. The kiss and the smack are the biggest gift. That's how you know whether or not you did it. If someone gets sick, you're not doing it right. If someone gets poor, you're not doing it right. If you have murder in your society, you're not doing it right. That's how you know. Akef. The gift is you will never be mystified as to why things are happening to you. You'll know exactly why things are happening to you. Because you recognize that the world is so calibrated and aligned with you that your actions will actually have palpable effects on it. So if you're not good, it won't rain. Won't rain. If you don't say Shana in the morning, it won't bloody rain. That's crazy. I mean, that's really crazy. That's mind-blowing to make such an assertion. And yet, interesting, where do you find that concept this Parsha. This Parsha says, Eretz Yisrael is not like Mitzrayim, where everything is uh, irrigated. Here, from the heavens, you get your water. It's a land that Hashem is always looking at all year. Really? That's a good thing? I'd rather have a place that's irrigated so I don't have to worry about it. The point is not worrying about your irrigation. The point is if it stops getting irrigated, you know you have a problem. You can fix the problem. It's a gift. What's the ultimate curse? Which we'll talk about God willing in, in Kisavo. If you continue to sin, then you'll no longer see it. You will lose the cause and effect relationship, even though it's there, but you won't see it, which we'll discuss God willing when we get there, Bismana Bithu Bismana. So, so we're saying that Akiv is as a result of your actions, and the reason that it's not saying Im is because if it said Im, you might get the impression that God is making a deal with you, and you'd be wrong. He's not making a deal with you. He set up the board in a certain way. This is how it works. It works if you do this, then that. Now, I think that the best example for this that I've ever seen in a movie, I look at movies as like, it's a really great muscle. It's a really great muscle. 
to relate to concepts. It's, it's great. Anyway, um, the Hunger Games. So in the Hunger Games, they all have to fight in this, this contrived world. Like they're fighting in Disney World, only it's Disney World of Horrors where the, the sky is out to get you and the ground is out to get you and the insects are out to get you and the water's out to get you. Because this world was created and planned by an architect, by an engineer who did it for entertainment purposes and everything is lethal. Good. So the geniuses there figured out, oh, one second, we've been, we've been observing. While you were all busy trying to kill and avoid each other, we were watching the park. And we have now discerned that the park is in the shape of a clock. And every hour it shifts and something else happens. And blah, blah, really, really great muscle. And when I saw that, it was the third installment, I think. When I saw that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. You look at the world and you're like, why are there mosquitoes? Shabbos, Shabbos. Why are there traffic accidents? Cheating in business. Looking at the world. The world literally responds to you. Do you know the one place in the world that actually responds to your actions? Eretz Yisrael. How do you know that? Because if you're not good, it spits you out. Brazil doesn't throw out all the revelers after the carnival. Louisiana doesn't cease to exist after Mardi Gras. But if you have carnival and Mardi Gras in Israel, the land will throw you out. Why? Because it's the only land in the world that's responsive. That is Akev. Akev's only in Israel. It's the land that God is looking at. So it responds to you. Which is, of course, why the land is the gift. We talk all the time. Right? Oh, I give you this land. You ever been there? It's good wine. Some nice beaches. I, I love Israel. It's beautiful to me. I have to be honest with you. I have to be honest with you. If I wasn't Jewish and I didn't feel any connection to it, I probably wouldn't find it that beautiful. The, 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 uh, what is the, the Aurela uh, or Borealis, right? Whatever, the Aurora Borealis. Ah, wow. Right, the Grand Canyon. You know, there's like, there's places in the world. Cape Town, I'm told. I'll blow your mind, you know? And there's places that are lusher and have better fruit and all that. Like, this is the greatest gift that God can think of. Like, the whole Torah, the first thing he promises us is this. And it's all about the land, the land, the land, the land, the land. And Voracious and Bishmuel Yisrael should be Voracious. And Hashem is going to give you the land. And everything's about the land. Who the hell wants the land in the first place? Give me, give me Chicago. Why are you giving me that? Why? What's so good about it? That's what's so good about it. That. Nothing else. Well, it goes pomegranates. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. That's cool. I like pomegranates. I don't know. That's not true. I don't like pomegranates. I like wine. <laughs> they have great wine. That's what I was saying. It's saying it, the that is that Israel's responsive to you. It's not earth. It's relationship. It responds. So it'll throw you out or it'll thrive. One or the other. Well, if that's the case, then it makes sense that we would have a throwback all the way to the garden, right? Because I'll tell you another awesome throwback in the garden because it says something so crazy. It says, V'eid yalem in aretz lahashkos is hagan. I'm going to paraphrase him, but that's mostly right. So the, there was this, this, uh, mist that came up from the ground in order to, uh, to water the garden, Gan Eden. Why? V'odam ayin lavar sa'adama. There is no man yet. This is what we're talking about the days of creation. There is no man yet to work the ground. The Gemara says, what do you mean that there was no man to work the ground and there was a, uh, a mist coming from the ground to water the, water the grass? 
answers the Gemara, it didn't rain yet. Why not? Because there was no man, there was no man yet created, Lahakir Betovas and Shogeshamim, to appreciate the, the goodness of rain, to pray for the rain. Forget for a moment if that is literally true, okay? Forget that. What is it saying to you? No man, no rain. No man, no rain. The land responds to you. You act right, you get rain. You act wrong, no rain. Oh, you thought this was like Egypt? You thought this was like Egypt where it doesn't matter what you act like, it will rain? You thought that this is like Toronto where no matter how you act, it's going to snow? No, it's not. So don't think you're getting in because you're so good, because you're not. You're not. You're awful. Since the day I met you, you're awful. You're getting in because of Akev. Because you're being pulled along by your fathers, which is why they keep coming up in this Parsha and not before. Don't come up before. Before, when, Hashem, when Moshe tells Hashem not to destroy the Jews, he says, what will Egypt say? Here, what does he say? He says, remember your Shvua to Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov. Why is that all of a sudden coming up here? That's the theme of the Parsha. The theme of the Parsha is getting the land because of your fathers and keeping it. That's what Parsha's Akiv is. And that's why it's Akiv and not Im. We haven't answered yet uh, the question about Moshe and Moshe Mokavashom Imach. That's a very good question. I don't know the answer to that question. Um, yeah. But anyway, so I promised that we would have some time for your questions. And I believe that we do a little less than I wanted, but we still have time. So if you have any questions, fire away. I can turn off the recording if you like. Please.